guys, welcome to Slash Report. I'm Pro, and this week I am joined by only one person, the only person so far who has like endured the agony and non-ecstasy. I've suffered. She has, and that was Marilyn. Marilyn, hi. Hello. We went to see, what, what did we go see? We saw The Amazing Spider-Man 2. <laughs> In theaters. Directed by Mark Webb. For legal 2014. <laughs> 16 bucks a pop for the nice seats. We paid cash money for the shit. Mm-hmm. The nice seats were actually the best part of that movie. I was going to say, yeah. If you if you live in New York, we can totally recommend the AMC on 84th Street. That place They is have choice. reclining leather assigned seating chairs. It's beautiful. It's good. It yeah. really it <laughs> softens the experience. And that's like that's like I feel like that's the positive things we have to say. <laughs> yeah, so I mean like this is this is um going to be a very spoilerific episode of Slash Report if you have not yet watched Chasm 2 and like you want to don't I, I would say don't listen to this except like if you trust our judgment like don't watch that movie if you don't trust our judgment go watch the movie and stop listening to us because we're gonna spoil the fuck out of it and if you liked the movie unless you want to rage listen to us it might be wise to just disconnect from this podcast episode hit the pause button yeah cause go back I mean, where to even begin with this garbage dump of a movie? Okay, well, I think I think what's a good starting point is that neither, to be fair, neither you and I, you were a big fan of Andrew Garfield. I, I, I love Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone. I think they're adorable as hell. I'm a fan of both of them as actors. Like, they're cute as hell in real life. They're just... You know, whatever. They're, They're charming. Precious. They have an adorable chemistry. And um, I would wager that 80% of the people who went to see this movie went to see it because we think Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone are precious together. I, I mean, I, there's some people who will just fork over their money for a comic book movie, and, like, I am probably one of those people because I've seen, like, all of them. But, like, I don't know. I have no idea. Right. But, um, but they are genuinely, they have a, an adorable chemistry. Yes, they They're do. very lovely together. And, like... Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man is is pretty great. He is. I mean, it's I, it's a shame that the movie around him is, is so terrible. Yes, and I even mean, the first one is like it's it's a B minus in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, what's upsetting about it? You nailed yeah. it right there because I I think we had this conversation after the first one came out where yeah. I said like you know it's it's hard to compare because Spider-Man, the original Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, it was um, kind of it was like the first sort of superhero movie. Big giant tentpole superhero. Exactly, franchise. it was the one that paved the way for everyone. And on some level, I still love those movies, right? Except for right. the third one, which is unspeakable. <laughs> but like, well, it's lovely for like not good reasons, right? But um, it's weird because having seen Andrew Garfield portray Peter Parker in Spider Man, he's perfect for right. that role. He's like eternally fourteen. He's like gangly and awkward and weird. He's baby faced. All of his sort of weird little superhero quips have like a, like a tinge of like awkward, like hey. <laughs> high-fiving myself right it's like so funny I, I think that i'm a lot funnier than i really am you guys lol yeah. like, and like failing and like his, his like training montage and him just sort of you know that like hurting himself like he was just like falling off of buildings yep. and like doing dumb shit and like you know there, there's a really hilarious sort of like cutaway scene where he's late for a thing and he's on the phone with gwen and she's like where <laughs> the fuck are you and he basically just gets mowed down by a police truck like into the frame and yeah. you're like this is this is your life Peter you suck yeah I mean he's 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 excellent in that role he's wonderful at portraying like the weird 
teenage ennui that has always been the access point for Spider-Man, right? Right. But at the same time, the the first movie was, like, not great, but it was okay. Um, it wasn't, I mean, it, it suffered because it was being compared to whatever good Marvel movies were coming out that year. Right. And it, and it did not measure up, frankly. Um, but then this movie, uh-huh. this movie, I mean, the, the immediate thing that I was saying is we were anger smoking outside of the theater <laughs> yes. because I was so angry after I saw this movie, I had to go smoke. She was pretty pissed, y'all. Was that this was... Yeah. At least three different movies, and they were all terrible. I I, I don't necessarily think all of them were unequivocally terrible. Which movie was good? Um, Here's the movie that I think that, like, would have been, A, better for fandom, if not better, like, objectively. Okay. And you know what I mean? Like, where this this is not objectively a good movie, but in terms of, like, the fandom buttons is pushing, it would have been fantastic. If you had really just made the movie about Peter and Gwen... And then Harry Osborne, played yeah. by the lovely, like, baby-faced twink Dane. Dane DeHaan. Dane DeHaan. Who was, Most like, famous for making out with Harry Potter. Right. Um, because he is, his, like, I feel like in, like, I, I couldn't help, like, but view that character through, like, the original, like, Tobey Maguire, yeah. James Franco lens, which is, like, an awful place to be because, like, <laughs> it was Tobey Maguire and James Franco, and you're just like, ugh. Um, but... That part of the movie, at least that plot, I think if you had expanded on it and made that your sort of your primary emotional arc through the entire like, series. we deleted the Electro situation. Yeah. So basically you, you have Harry Osborn, who is the son of the, you know, the r- ruler of Oscorp, the weird Con Edison, science like, they just do everything, whatever corporation. And, and then you have the Electro plot, which is um, Jamie Foxx is a very, like, unloved, lonely, sort of, you know, slightly unstable nerd who fixates on Spider-Man, then falls into a tank of eels and gets electrocuted and turns into, like, an energy monster. An eel energy monster. Right. And then um, there's that one, and then there's also sort of the narrative of, like, Peter and Gwen trying to, like, figure themselves out. And, Which like, whether we, they should we'll be have to have, like, a whole whatever. separate thing about that shortly because that was, like, the most yeah. anger And so you have, you have a lot of balls in the air, and, and the movie doesn't really successfully juggle them. And in terms of, like, what I think, like, would have been pretty good for fandom would have been sort of, like, the Peter and Gwen plus, like, Peter's friend who comes back and then turns into evil and, like, whatever. But he looks really, like, sort of anguished and twinky while he's doing it. Instead, (laughs) the movie dips all three of its balls in your face. Yes. (laughs) And you get teabagged, and it's not good for you. As if you are dying and they're (laughs) waiting for you to respawn in Counter-Strike and this asshole is just fucking... (laughs) Keybat, whatever. But I think you lost control of that man. <laughs> so I'm eating so much cake in anger. <laughs> she is. It's also Mare's birthday. It is so my like, birthday. This is how I choose to spend <laughs> making her bringing in my, her the next year of my life by yelling at the internet about <laughs> Spider-Man Two. It's so infuriating. So I think to start from the beginning, right? Yes. To start from the very beginning, which is a very good place to start. It's almost impossible to recount the plot of this movie because there are so many interwoven threads that barely make sense. But there- it is fair to say that the plot of this film is that Peter and Gwen are graduating from high school. Yes. Moving on to the next phase of their lives. They pick up the villain Electro along the way. Right. Harry Osborne, who was Peter's best friend from 10 years ago, comes back into town. Mm-hmm. Everything explodes. And the movie concludes with something that we are going to have to talk about at length. Yes. Gwen Stacy dying. Yes. 
And then Peter having to find the fortitude through the sheer fucking unbelievable stupidity of people who cannot possibly be New Yorkers because that's not how they react to <laughs> yes. problems right. to become Spider-Man again. Right. Now, I have to say that this is one of the most egregious examples of man pain that I've ever well, s- that I've seen in a here's really the thing. long time. I, I think prior besides the like classic example of like lady fridging, where yeah. the one where she actually does end up in a fridge, which is where the expression comes from. Um, th- this is based on like the classic, very sort of seminal comic book, The Night When Stacy Died, mm-hmm. um, which is like a major sort of like turning point in the Spider-Man franchise. And it was apparently, according to like um, readings that Prue and I have done, sort of like what was the ultimate driving inspiration for this movie of like the ultimate emotional climax and what like Mark Webb and like the writers and whatever were really working toward. And like, this is what they really wanted to do. And they wanted to do this comic book moment really well. I assume that it was cocaine that was the driving fuel. Right. And like, and, and the point is, is that like the whole thing is that like, there's a situation, bad shit goes down. Gwen is in danger. She's falling. And this is spoilery. So like, if you haven't figured this one out yet from like, if Tumblr hasn't ruined it for you or you don't know that this happened, um, if you can't figure it out from the fact that, like... That's champagne bottle number two, folks. (laughs) You read the high life when you roll deep with me. Basically, Peter tries to save her. He, like, sticks her with his web. She's falling. And the web ultimately breaks her fall, but also because of the force of the impact, snaps her spine, and she dies anyway. And there's a moment where he thinks she's alive and he saved her, and then only it turns out that, no, he actually hasn't. And um, this becomes sort of, like... And the thing is, is that you, it seems so, like, gratuitous, especially for, like, the Peter Parker origin story, where, like, he already has, like, the terrible part of, like, Uncle Ben, who's literally, like, the only person who ever died in comic books who can never come back. Like, Uncle Ben will never come back in comic books. Like, he already has a horrible thing where, like, his relative died, like, unintentionally because of him, and that was sort of his, like, spurred him on to become, like, a superhero. And then he gets a girlfriend, and then she dies, and then it sort of spurs him on to... You know. Yeah. What? I don't even necessarily know. I don't... Because he already had his motivation, right? So it's completely unnecessary. Right. It's gratuitous, like, let me kill all the people you love and have everything you try to do well end up badly and have people suffer for it that you love the most and have all these unintended consequences that you couldn't foresee from your actions, like, fall out in the worst possible way because you are actually, like... I don't even know. Peter well, Parker. <laughs> here's the, there, there are two reasons why I find this like particularly galling in this context, right? And I've right. been on the record on this podcast and others now mm-hmm. where I'm totally happy to watch ladies being fridged if that is going to make for a better story. It mostly doesn't. But like, if it does, I'm not going to fight you about it, right? Like, I've got bigger problems. Like, if the biggest issue in your life is that media portrayals of superhero movies are fridging ladies, your life is great. Like, so I'm not going to get into a fight about that. But the reason that I'm particularly pissed off about this one mm-hmm. is because they tried to make it as if her death was her choice. And no, that no, no, was yeah. the part that pissed me off. No, no, you know what this actually, like, reminded me of, um... In terms of, like, the way you write women in these sort of situations, it reminded me actually a lot of Pacific Rim. And if you've, if you've listened to our Pacific Rim podcast, you know that, like, neither Prue nor I were particularly super enthusiastic about that film. And, like, I have come to appreciate it more in, like, the fandom way, where I appreciate the fandom stuff around it, even if I didn't enjoy the movie. But, like, my main problem with that film is that the narrative tells you and, like, um, that... 
she has all this, like, rage about her family, so she can't go and, like, get into the robot and fight because she has this vengeance vendetta that is ultimately going to, like, overpower it, and, like, she's going to, like, lose control, and she won't be able to do her thing, and she's going to, like, you know, she won't be able to focus enough to actually, like, fight the, like, terrible aliens because she has this vengeance vendetta. Because and she's hysterical, her, because her uterus is her flying family, around her, her body. Her family was killed, and she's so mad, and that's what she wants, and, like, she's, she's too focused yep. on that, she won't be able to fight if she actually goes and does this. And this is what the narrative tells you is why she can't do this and has to be sort of, like, the thing that ultimately she overcomes. And then she actually, like, gets into the robot, ultimately, and then she goes complete, and then she basically does almost exactly what they say that she's not going to do, that she shouldn't be doing. And she, well, like, you know, she goes, she slips. It's hard. There's, like, your ovaries. There are two of them. It's right. almost And she loses consciousness. And she loses consciousness. And, and then Rally has, Rally has, to, has to go her. save her. And it's one of those things where, like, the narrative is, like, she she can't do this because this terrible thing will happen, and then she does it. But you're like, fuck you. She's a lady. She Who gives a shit? She can do what she wants. She can totally do this. And then, actually, she ultimately ends up proving them right, essentially. Yes. And, um... And there's a lot of things to say about, like, Mako as a character, and, like, I do really appreciate a lot of the things that it, that movie does for her in terms of being, like, an Asian woman that, like, as you couldn't get away from a Western, Asian like, woman, yeah, I like, know. Like, this movie is garbage <laughs> and is bullshit. But, but, anyway, that's not the point. But, like, this is sort of similar to what I felt was happening with Gwen Stacy in this movie, where Peter's entire thing is, like, yeah. you can't get involved, you can't come here, like, I can't be with you because I'm going to put you in danger and then you're going to be killed. And her being, like, look... I want to be with you. This is ridiculous. You need to let me make my own decision about whether I want to like be in this or not be in this. And like, you can't be like, like paternalistically overprotective of me Mm -hmm. because that's bullshit. And I'm going to do what I want. And then the way the narrative is sort of contrived is her sort of being like, I have to be here to flip a switch in a power station. And like, through very sort of like flimsy pretext of her actually having to be there. And she's like, no, I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm coming. Could have done it. Like the thing that she does. Right, and, like, Gwen Stacy is, like, the smartest fucking person in this movie, basically. The the only one who really has her shit, like, together, and, like, it's frustrating. And so she finally gets herself in this, because she has to go do this, and, like, she is aggressively putting herself here. And then, what happens to her? But she ends up dying, just like Peter was always like, you can't make your own decision because you're gonna, like, because I'm afraid you're gonna get hurt. And then she does make her own decision, and then she gets hurt, thereby proving this entire weird paternalistic narrative, like, correct in some weird narrative way. Yeah, you but know? see, but, like, that's all, that's all at very true, and that's all infuriating on its face. Yeah. But, like, even worse about this particular one is because they tried to exonerate themselves from that bullshit thread of the narrative by having her have that scene with him where she's like, I choose this. This is me. You don't get to tell me what I do. This is what I do. And I was like, did you think that was going to cover your asses? Like, <laughs> right. in the script like, writing this, this process. Sort of, like, you threw, you threw her lady autonomy a bone, and then yeah. you ultimately ended up just, like, fridging her anyway. When you, like, when you were you writing <laughs> or filming this shit show, did right. you think that, like, somehow, when I was sitting in that theater, reclining in my leather seat, <laughs> thinking it was the only nice thing about this night, that, like, you know what? This movie is garbage on every level. <laughs> And, like, so deeply weird and, like, not good. It doesn't have, know what it wants to be. I have whiplash from, like, the really good scenes to the really terrible ones. But this moment right here where Gwen is like, this is me. I choose this. My hysterical ovaries and my uterus make this decision for me. It's all great. That's going to exonerate you from what you're going to do in, like, five minutes? You were wrong. 
You were incorrect. Right. This is still bullshit. There is no reason she needed to die. Right. And like, and also what's hilarious about this, and this is more like spoilers, or like we really just spoiled the big thing in this entire film, is that the entire like sort of drama about this is that Gwen is going to go to college in London oh and God. move away. So and so things. like basically the, the movie holds open a door for you to be like, well, Gwen can just literally move to another country and be like, I can't long distance date you. I can't, I can barely like date you when we live in the same city because of all this bullshit that surrounds you as a person, Peter. Like, I'm not going to date you when I go to England. Like, we have to break up. They're basically broken up at this point. Yep. So she could literally just move to another country and she'd be fine. And then you could, like, totally, like, have Peter suffer sort of the loss of this. And, like, it would still be awful and, like, could still have a lot of genuine emotional resonance. And, like, sort of, like, and even, like, for that thing where, like, you have, like, this love that you have in high school and then you go to separate places and, like, it falls apart and, like, the distance kind of kills it. Yeah. And, like, a way that, like, a lot of people have experienced in, like, yeah. a genuine real-life kind of situation and you could totally remove her from the narrative. If you were trying to, like, make way for Mary Jane, like... Which, why? Whatever. Like, if that's where the narrative is going, like, you would totally... Like, the movie actually holds open the door for Gwen to, like, exit the scene. And then they exit through the gift shop. Off with, with her, the like, with her life intact. And, like, everybody happier, basically. And then it's like, lol, no. I'm going to literally turn around <laughs> on my way from the airport, throw myself into this situation... And then have Peter almost save me, and then have my spine be broken at the very last possible minute. But like, even and like, her... even like her, her like dad, who like warned Peter, like whatever, and like hold that like, like, like I'm gonna fuck you up if you hurt my daughter, which is tied to just a lot of like weird misogynistic purity myth shit that like the movie kind of like plays on as like sort of this emotional whatever like button that it's hitting, like. What all of it was just kind of like you literally could have made she could have lived. There was yeah. no narrative reason for her to do this other than like you had to do the night when Stacy died. Yeah. Well, <laughs> like on top of which, like if you're gonna mention the London thing, right? I I I have a thing I have to tell you guys. That whole element of the movie, like let's just think about like the literally nothing beyond the timelines. <laughs> so she don't. So she goes for the interview, which I. I'm, like, I felt like I was having a stroke as I was watching this part. <laughs> and Peter has to be like, wait, I still love you. <laughs> yeah, which, like, yeah, if, if a dude had interrupted me before the most important interview of my life, he would be babbling at thin air because I have other stuff to do. <laughs> you were my high school boyfriend. I'm sure that we eventually figured out how to have sex with each other, but you were not that important in the grand scheme of my life. Right. And the um, fact that you would be interrupting me at this point yeah, just when, there's, like, that, when there's this really important thing that's happening yeah. and you were the one who's, like, distracting me and ruining the potentially shitting all over this very important interview, like, you are an awful human being. Yeah, it just proves that you don't actually care about me that much, Uh or else you would find a way to not do this. Right. But so basically, like, beyond that, all of that asshole bullshit, whatever, after Peter finds his father's secret train full of science, which is an actual (laughs) thing that happens. That was, like, so great when you really, like... damn movie. (laughs) Like, I genuinely, like, I think at that point in the movie, I was like, I can't believe the lizard dude was the less stupid of these two movies at this point so after peter finds his father's like fucking train train full of science which by the way people all over all of the abandoned train stations in new york constantly only for the people who do like subway graffiti yeah they've been there they've done that or like they discovered your lab (laughs) right or the abandoned location photography yeah like we know we know we're aware um so anyways so he comes out of the stupid fucking subway tunnel, like, filled with angst and whatever, and and then he gets a phone call saying that she's decided to take an early class, but she's somehow still in the car 
in traffic on her way to JFK, which there are so many things. Like, I'm usually not the person who is like, geographically speaking, this movie is inaccurate to New York. But geographically speaking, <laughs> it does not actually take, like, even in really bad traffic, it takes, like, what, an hour and a half from, like, Manhattan? Yeah. To get to JFK. So let's assume that it took her an hour and a half, right? Let's give her two hours <laughs> to get from Manhattan to JFK. So somewhere between all of that action, she has just made the fucking random goddamn decision to register for a course at Oxford, fly over there immediately, and somehow this call that she made, maybe at the very beginning of her cab ride, she's still in the cab by the time he's finished his, like, web of I love you, and, like, they're still on the bridge to Queens. Right. Like, is this... <laughs> What the fuck? Like so mad. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, it, it literally made no sense. Like the and and here's the thing. Those are the kind of weird like your timeline and your New York knowledge are kind of fucked. These are the kind of things that I would like you could skip over happily if you actually are like invested in like the narrative of it. But the problem is I feel like the Gwen Peter storyline for this entire movie is very like Will they, won't they, we're on, we're off, we're on, we're off. In a way that, that did, and I think I said this to you after we got out of the movie, it did feel very kind of like teenage. Yeah, like but it's, I hate it's, Yeah, but it's a very like bullshit teenage drama of yeah. like, we're together, like we're not, we're going to get together and we're going to flirt and like, you know, oh, this is a bad idea because we both know this is stupid, but oh, like, Oh, you've been following me? That's really sweet. Right. Or like, oh, we're going to have the same fucking fight we have every single time about this and we're off again and we're on, we're off and I'm moving and like, we can't and like, uh, like back and forth and back and forth. And I was like, you know what? This actually does feel like some sort of like dumb high school ruins like it does it absolutely does you know what that does it deprecates the genuine affection yes right but it makes me feel like it doesn't really i don't care if you guys ever get together because you're dumb teenagers right and like and again like in the two of them try so hard they try so hard try so hard they're so cute like they're both of them adorable she wears a lot of really cute hats and her hair looks fantastic. They and have great like, chemistry just hmm. sitting in a room together. They're clearly so fond of each other and then the movie just doesn't really let them have any like lovely warm moments of like genuinely just like being happy together. And like and so the entire emotional arc of it is just sort of like jerked around and also diluted by all these other plot lines that you have going on that uh really just don't hang together as like a cohesive narrative at all. Right, so let's finish off the Gwen Stacy Peter yeah. thing, and then let's double back to Electro. Yes. So, and then we'll close out by talking about Harry, Harry. Because, because I have I a lot of important. I have a and lot of things important. to say about Harry. Yes. So, so basically, like after Gwen dies, there's like a whole like literal musical montage where Peter sits at her grave through multiple seasons and doesn't do anything, and it's just like sad peter parker you know what it's like you know what it's like it's very similar this actually i just i just put this one together it's like the scene in the second twilight movie (laughs) bear with me and this is how like dumb this is where edward has left because he can't be with her anymore and dumped her blah 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 for like reasons to protect her from herself and like because whatever do you see a theme here and then she's literally in it in the book it's great because it's literally like October, blank page. November, <laughs> blank page. December, blank page. And then finally shit starts happening after she pulls herself out of her, like, stupor. In the movie, literally, it's like a dolly shot of, like, Bella in her, like, room. 
and like a month passes and like the seasons change and it dollies around and another month passes and it changes and another month passes and she's sort of sitting there staring aimlessly into space because she has nothing to live for without like you know her her vampire boyfriend and like that's the same sort of bullshit yeah. Like, you know, spring turns to summer, and summer turns to fall, and fall turns to winter. And all of it and is And the passed, and I'm still sitting here staring at your grave. And, like, it just seems so, like, an overblown, heavy-handed reaction to what could have been really genuinely heartbreaking and lovely. And it wasn't. It wasn't. And, and also, I feel like if you don't even know that she's going to die... There is a moment where you genuinely think that she has lived yeah. at the end of it. And you're like, oh, well, he saved her. And then the weird sort of whiplash of suddenly realizing that she's actually dead was just very clumsily handled. And so you're like, wait a minute, what, what the fuck is even happening? And they Coulsoned it. Yeah. It's like how, like, I was like, is he dead? No, he's not really dead. Oh, my God, he's dead. He's, de- he's dead. <laughs> yeah. Like, and by the time you figure out what's happening, like, the emotional beat is, like, a minute rah. behind you. And you're like, oh, wait, ah, fuck, all right, whatever, we're moving oh, on. Oh, look, Peter's staring at <laughs> a grave now. Right. So, I mean, the the last part about this that was, like, it's part of the Gwen Stacy arc. It's more about, like, the Peter Parker arc because everything about Gwen Stacy is technically about Peter Parker in this movie, which is infuriating, um, is basically after she dies, he spends several months or maybe a year not being Spider-Man, right? Like, right. he throws his, like, costume in the closet, not going to touch it, um, until finally what happens is, like, his aunt has, like, the most emotionally unhealthy conversation about how to deal with grief <laughs> ever with him. Stuff it in a box. She's just, like, put it, it in a happened. box and put it away. And it's just, like, I don't... Anyways. <laughs> um, and then uh, there's... Oh, my... I can't, the words that are about to come out of my mouth make me want to punch myself in the face. There is a cyborg robot rhino guy who is being piloted by an angry Russian mobster played by Paul Giamatti, who is like a forehead tat. He, this is, this is like, this is a dude who is nominated for an Oscar. <laughs> like after the, after this movie was over, Prue and I were trying to tally the number of people in this film who were nominated, who had won Oscars, Golden Globes or Emmys. Or BAFTAs. Or BAFTAs. And there's prop, there's at least five of them. And they and were all. In there the are a lot of award-winning actors in this film, and I will say Andrew Garfield and Sally Field do manage to actually sort of lovely like moment. develop a really lovely sort of like relationship and chemistry, and they do have some really good. But scenes. that was literally because it was just Andrew Garfield and Sally Field in a room together, and like nothing else. In the writing, not getting in the way. Yeah, like if you just let the two of them do their thing, they're clearly very talented. Right. But then you insert Rhino cybernetic guy, so he'll come back into play. He was the very first villain we met, and this will go back to, like, a larger thematic issue that I have with the movie. Yeah. Um, but, so, he's, like, attacking Midtown for reasons inexplicable. Like, if you're gonna, like, why? Like, what are you gonna do? Hit IBM? Like, what's wrong with you? There's <laughs> nothing there. He's attacking Midtown, and the police have put up barriers, and for some reason, people are just standing at the barriers, like, Yelling, like and, and this cheering. Is a, this is a dude in a giant ro- robot suit who literally has like live ammunition. Yeah, and he's like shooting police cars and garbage. And there's this little kid who shows up at the beginning of this movie and shows up again. Where in the absence of Spider-Man, these people are keep asking about the web slinger. Where's where the web he? slinger? And they use this twice in a single seven-word sentence, which punch yourselves in the face, whoever wrote that script. Um, <laughs> It's like, where is the web slinger? So Peter finally rolls up because this little kid who was wearing a Spider-Man Halloween costume or pajamas 
pulls on a Spider-Man, like, face mask, and goes and stands up to this rhino thing. Which, like, frankly, in a movie that had been better executed... Would have been really Would great. have been really heartrending. Like, if at the end of Captain America, like, some little kid had pulled out his cap shield and gone to stand in front of a thing because Cap was, like, defrosty. fucked up. And, All like, right. And he finally rolled up on the scene and was like, hey, thanks for covering for me. I'm here now. Go back to your mom. <laughs> you would, would have been, like, weeping in the eyes. I would have been lying on the floor crying buckets. This, this, I was, like, prone on my leather reclining seat saying, like, I hate this movie. I hate the legal tender that I exchanged to watch this movie. I hate everything about this entire proposition. And I, I bought tickets for this movie, and then I lost my wallet. And I feel like that was sort of, like, I should have known. It was an indication. Like, we tried to go to our favorite Mexican restaurant on the Upper West Side. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. We had to go to Blockheads, and then they wouldn't let her drink because she didn't have her ID. So we had to, like, stealth share my, like... And go into this movie way too sober. Yeah, it was just, so many things were indicating that the universe didn't want this to happen for us. And, like, that closing scene, like, is just a sheer example of something that could have been good had it been in a different movie. Well, and and here's the thing. I feel like what you do get from this movie, like, and this is sort of my thing with, like, Spider-Man as a hero, and it kind of depends on, like, your view of him as a superhero, where... Spider-Man is funny, Spider-Man is great, a lot of, like, the action scenes and him, like, swinging beautifully from, like, the skyscrapers of Manhattan, like, there, there is, like, a, it's gorgeous and, like, lovely and, like, I appreciate that and, like, but him as a hero, he's always been such a fucking failboat, sort of, (laughs) sort of similar to, like, Hawkeye in the comics, the Hawkeye comics. Only it doesn't actually seem to be aware of the level, unlike the Hawkeye comics, who are 100% self-aware of how much, like, Hawkeye is a hot fucking disaster of a human being who really should have just, like, stayed home today. Like, that is sort of my conception of what Spider-Man does, because literally everything he touches through his own intention or through his best intentions turns to shit and doesn't end up well. Isn't he the only... Was Someone correct me if this isn't true, but I feel like I actually read this somewhere, that there was a comic... Um, Either volume or whatever that proves that if Spider-Man had oh, yeah, existed, yeah. everyone would be better off. I feel like he does get it's it's a wonderful life, and you're like, well, actually, <laughs> maybe you should jump off that bridge. And Clarence is like, yeah, okay, bye. Sorry, See you son. On the other side, buddy. <laughs> like, um, I, and I don't know if that's true or not, one hundred percent. Though I have heard that similarly myself. But like, and that's sort of my feeling of Spider-Man. And like, the problem is, is that like this movie doesn't necessarily do anything to disprove that. Or to make you believe that, like, he's doing something that no one else can do. And that, like, his superpowers and abilities are, like, helping the city. And that, like, you know, and the movie tells you a lot about what Spider-Man means to the city. And, like, you know, but it doesn't necessarily, like, show it to you super well. No. So, like, the, the the problem with him, like, hanging up his, like, his red and white spandex. Um, or his red, red and blue, span, blue. His red and blue spandex. It doesn't really have the same sort of, like... Resonance. Resonance, because you don't ever get the feeling that, like, this is what you're supposed to do, and you have to do this, and, like, you're fighting the good fight, and, like, you know, you don't necessarily have that emotional sort of rallying point behind him, and so him ultimately, like, coming in and, like, attacking, like, a giant fucking rhino helmed by an Oscar winner, you're just sort of like, what? And, I mean, like, the rhino's a good point, right? Because we opened the movie with Paul Giamatti. You know what this felt like? It did actually remind me a lot of, like, a more older, less sophisticated comic book movie. Yeah. Which is, speaking of, like, the original Spider-Man series, I felt like that this would have, this 
could have been like Spider-Man 4 with Tobey Maguire and you would have been like absolutely this sort of makes sense you know where like right. he's so like the Rhino character is so schlocky and so like Russian rah 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 yeah. like yeah ha 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 well I yeah, mean that's nah. like that's a really good and point to launch off on Electro like, is yeah. an entire villain right well so this is this is what I meant when we're doubling back to the beginning again yes so we have to follow one shitty narrative all the way to the end before you go back to the first right to start your second shitty narrative Here's the thing that I noticed immediately. So, as someone who, like, I have no comics background. Like, I did not actually read, like, I did not read Western comics until fairly recently. And the ones that I'm currently really into are the new breed of them, right? Like, I started really reading them with Hawkeye. I now read Saga. I read the new Miss Marvel. And I read the Black Widow run that's right. currently the Phil Noto one. Because the art is amazing. Yeah. And it's really cool. Right. Um, but these are, like, a different version of comics, right? Than your typical... It's a throwback. Yeah, your typical version. Whereas, when you watch this movie, right? Starting from the beginning, which opens with Peter being late for his high school graduation... Because he's fighting a bunch of, like, Russian gangsters who are trying to steal uranium from Oscorp in a completely sort of wackadoo battle throughout midtown. Like, it reads very cartoon. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, like you, you expect an anvil to come out of the sky. Exactly. And to, like, crush one of them and it's, be like, yoinks! It's like. extremely cartoony. And I was sitting there thinking, like, if I was eight years old... This would be amazing to me. Right. And that was the thing that carried me through the rest of this movie. As I was watching it, I was thinking, like, this movie really appeals to younger comic book fans. Because it is so busy, mm -hmm. so loud. You don't care about the emotional through line if you're right. eight years old. But it has Peter Parker being, like, funny and, like, bendy and being a spider person. And, and like, swinging from web through to the web streets and through the seats of New York. And it's so great. Right. So, like, if you were eight years old, this would be great for you. Um, right. So you open the movie with this, like, fucking stupid, like, Paul Giamatti, why would you take this goddamn film um, thing. And he rescues Jamie Foxx, who also, extra weird, because one of the previews to our movie was... The new Annie movie that he's fantastic. in, which looks amazing. So charming. Which I can't wait for. And then you see him in this, where he is wearing a weird toupee. Like, why would you... He has a comb over and terrible teeth and terrible 70s nerd glasses. And I mean, the yeah. problem... And so basically, like, he becomes obsessed with Peter Parker, like, thinks that they're best friends. And then later on, when a thing that happens that is not Peter's fault at all, like the cops shoot at him because after he falls in the electric eel tank, he's like fucking up electricity wherever he goes. Right. And the cops shoot at him without Peter's involvement at all. He like decides he suddenly hates Spider-Man. Right. Even though he loves Spider-Man up until that point. And then he's just like gonna fucking break everything. First of all, they made two major errors with this character. Number one, he was such a mess. Mm. I was just sad for him the whole time. Yeah. Like, I was really worried and upset for him because everything that happened that was, like, everything that happened was terrible. Right. Like, His all... Life was awful. Everything was sad. He had nobody and nothing. Yeah. All I wanted was for someone to be like, hey, are you okay? Like... Right. Do you... Like, it's your birthday. Let's go get a coffee. Like, I'll buy you a cupcake. Right. It's gonna be fine. Like, I'm really sorry. Like, I'm sorry about everything. Like, nothing about him was a villain. 
Right. And then he takes this weird character turn, and I listened to the Empire podcast with Mark Webb and a couple of other people trying to justify the shit show of the film, where they were saying that the entire character of Electro, like that big scene in Times Square where he's like, no one sees me, but now everyone sees me, right? Like, first of all, you didn't establish that the whole problem with the movie was that no one saw him. For me, when I looked at that character, I saw crippling loneliness and a distinct sadness and people being mean to him. Right. I don't think... Which, he, I which, don't, which is sort of like... And, like, nobody, like, recognizing him and treating him like he's invisible dirt. Like, that, that's rolled into that. But yeah, that's but not that, necessarily, like, to the point where everyone paying attention to him is going to solve the problems that exactly. I thought that he had. Yeah, and I don't think that he craved recognition. Attention. It's more just a connection. Yes. Like, that was yes, not what he got. That is the word that he did not have. Right. So when he eventually became, elect in like, someone on 538, I'll link this on the show page, they wrote a hilarious piece about how Spider-Man 3, or Spider-Man 2, is basically just a series of horrendous OSHA violations, and they <laughs> list all of the OSHA violations that well, led to Electro's yeah, and, and, conception. And here's also the thing, where, like, his, the entire accident that leads to him falling into, like, electric pit of eels. An electric eel tank. While holding some, like, electrical cables. cables. And it's the kind of thing where if you've ever worked as part of a cog in a giant corporate machine, you know that those are the kind of things that, like, a small-time operation, like, sure, you could probably get away with doing something that dumb. Some giant machine like Oscorp, like, no, that would never happen, number one. No. But, like, but I, but I think, like, I think you do hit on something, though, with this character where you do feel genuinely bad for him, and you feel like he's been, like, sort of, like, bullied yeah. casually and, like, unintentionally and, like, deliberately by all of the people in his life. And he has, like, nobody has been nice or kind to him except for Peter, and to turn him into a villain who wants Peter dead is kind of disturbing and kind of, yeah. like, a weird, like, emotional, like, shift that, like, takes someone who is sort of, like, who has been a victim of bullying and, like, has had a horrible life and then makes them into this sort of grotesque thing. And, like, you feel... You never... He still feels, like, pathetic. Yeah. And you feel sad for him. And so you're not... You know, like, Peter fighting him is not, doesn't have any you sort never, of dramatic oomph. You because never, you're just like, God, this is just kind of awful. You're never scared of him. You still no. feel bad for him. And there was a level of, like, I was trying to put my finger on what really bothered me about it, but it felt exploitive of mental yeah. illness. Yeah. Because he's clearly sick. Yeah. Like, or, he, or he has, or he's just, he's socially awkward. Maybe he's on the Asperger spectrum. Who knows? He needs, really like, a little that. measure of understanding and kindness, and that shouldn't be interpreted as someone who would, like, turn on a dime. Right. And become, like, a lunatic. Right, and, like, all the awful things that sort of happened to him after that just sort of become, like, grotesque as a result. Because you're like, this is not what he wanted, and, like, no. his life just becomes more and more crappy, and, like, you're just like, this is just really terrible. And the moment when, like, Harry ultimately ends up getting him to do his bidding and to take out Spider-Man after Harry has become, like, Green Goblin Harry... And he's just like, I need you, and that is the that is the hook that gets him to do Harry's so bidding. Sad. It's just kind of fucking awful, and you're like, ugh, yeah. <laughs> this is a terrible villain. This is not a villain that you. This is not somebody you love to hate. This is not somebody that like is like megalomaniacal. This is not like a Loki character where like nope. he does shitty things, but like Phantom will turn him into a Whoopi. He's like, not even like whatever, he's not like, even like I, interestingly like one dimensional like Red Skull was right. You just genuinely are like, oh my god, this is terrible, right? Um, but then and, like and, and Jamie Foxx sort of like 
does his best, I guess, yeah. in terms of, like, this kind of thing. I think and, like, everyone in this movie, other than Dane DeHaan, <laughs> yeah. does their best. You didn't, like, think that Dane DeHaan does their best? Oh my god, we will, we will talk about <laughs> my many and varied hair. You, you so know exactly the moment where I turned on him, too, <laughs> yeah. in this movie. But, um, actually, I have to talk, we have to talk about that scene where he's in Ravenscroft, a.k.a. Arkham, right. um, being tortured by... Oh. What the fuck was that dude? What the fuck was the torture? No. Why was he jizzing himself? Did you did you read about like the history behind this character? No. I don't know if I, I forget I must not have linked this to you. But basically what was interesting, um, there's a scientist at the insane asylum, once they get Electro and they basically have him in this like water bath and he's like um con- constrained and like tied up and they're doing experiments on him to try to figure out what he is after he's become like this electrical energy person. And um, only the doctor who's in charge of this is this crazy German, like, with an accent as bad as my German accent. And my German accent is horrible. You can totally hear it. It's garbage. Yeah. Like, that is the level of, like, which, like, German but craziness. Like say, even beyond that, he, like, tell me, did he, he's, did he not code he's gay? He's crazy. And he's kind of weirdly, he has a, he's kind of flamboyant. He's totally, like, he's, he's coded camp. Yes. And he's. And he's like, crazy German scientist. And you're like, this is a really weird tone. Like, where have I seen, like, a crazy German he's scientist basically outside Tim of a Curry. weird propaganda movie he's from the 1940s? He's basically Tim Curry from, like, Rocky Horror Picture yeah. Show. Like, that is the level of which this dude is on. And he's very tonally jarring. You're supposed to kind of feel bad that, like, Electro's getting tortured. But, like, the, the product of his torture is this crazy, like, German dude who's, like, kind of, like, sexily intrigued by, like, making Electro be, like, ooh. And he's you're, like, totally Ugh. Hitler jizzing on his own podium. Right. And, and the problem is, is that actually this character was based is act, in the comic books as a female scientist. What? And she's actually based on a real-life person who consulted with the author of the comic books about some, like, the science stuff in it, who had her own very, like, awesome career. What? And, they, and the, the guy wrote her into the comic books, basically, as, like, an almost real person. And she oh, ends up God. ultimately helping Peter in, like, the arc of the series. And she's not a bad guy. Oh, good. And they basically decided, for some reason, and I don't know why, to turn her into a dude. And not only a dude, but, like, a, a crazy camp... There was literally no reason for it. He was so throwaway as a character. He he served no no narrative purpose, and you're just like, what is even... He basically just added to sort of, like, the tonal, like, pile of, like, add another, like, blaring noise to this entire, like, weird, discordant, like, symphony of awfulness. Yeah, it was just, like, a lot of, why are you (laughs) here? Yeah. Why are you perpetuating, like, I don't even know if this is a stereotype, but, like, why is Dr. Frankenfurter here? Right. Like, what is happening in this goddamn movie? Stop sexually torturing, torturing Jamie Foxx. Like, right. <laughs> he needs therapy and an understanding person to be his friend. Right. He does not need you to torture him. He was eaten to death by eels. You people are the worst. Right. I can't think of a worse fate. And then he dies somehow. Does he die? How does remember. he die? I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> This fuck is it. bad. Fuck it. We don't care. But like, we don't care. This is <laughs> yeah, so, I'm so, sorry, Annie, Jamie Fox. We'll go see Annie six times. Yes, we will. We love you. Um, but no, but like, and that's sort of thing. When like, in, when I read the history of that character, I was like, wow, that makes it even more egregious. Yeah. But, like, it's not even like you just sort of like randomly were like, I need a crazy scientist. I'm gonna make him German and like, woo. Like, and that's the tone that I'm striking with this character. Oh my gosh. And you're like, this is 
really awful. broadly broad and offensive maybe and like just what awful on so many levels doing? but like and you're gonna actually take like a pretty competent awesome lady character from the comics and make her into this just for no her, reason just make him someone else if you want like a weird camp stupid <laughs> German evil sex scientist and I feel like maybe maybe that's what it was and they're like well we'll just have give him the same name as sort of like throwing a bone to the comics nerds and the fan service this is way. the wrong way to throw us <laughs> fan service yeah. an appropriate way to throw us fan service is Stan leaving the museum garden the Smith Smithsonian, or the Hint. funny librarian from the first uh, yeah. Amazing Spider-Man movie, right. two of his best cameos. This, this was not good fan service. No. So this is depressing. I actually genuinely do not remember what happened to Electro in that movie, but I will presume that he <laughs> is dead by the end of it. Uh, I, I don't know. I, whatever. Mm-hmm. I guess he's, yeah, he probably he's dead. is dead. Because right. this means we get to go all the way back to the beginning to talk about the third Equally shitty, Plot but oh my god, so, I mean, here is the thing, here is the thing, Harry as a character, here's the whole, like, at least, and I think this is one of those things where, like, the original Spider-Man trilogy did a great did this job arc, with it, did this arc a lot better than so this movie much. does. Where Harry and Peter are friends. So Harry fun. does not know about Peter's secret identity, and they're long-standing, very good friends, and then, um... Shit happens, Harry's dad dies, and in the original series, he's the one who becomes the Green Goblin, um, and in this version of it, not exactly the case, but in this movie, the way it takes it is that <laughs> Harry and Peter were friends when they were 10 years old, because Harry's dad is a dick, played by Chris Cooper, who I think is also an Oscar nominee, if I'm not mistaken, oh my God. Uh, for American Beauty, and he was fantastic in that film. Oh my God, um, he was, he was the dad from... Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, another another oh, like award nominee. He did. Uh, lucky bastard. And well, anyway, so Harry and Peter were old friends when they were really little kids, like 10 or 11 years old. And then Harry's dad, um, who is like a cold, demanding father figure, ships him off to boarding school because he doesn't want him anymore. And so Harry and Peter like lose touch the way you would if your friend when you were 11 moved away. And then he comes back. He gets recalled because, he gets Norman, recalled because Osborn Norman Osborn is, is dying. And has also, even though he's like hated and ignored his son for the past decade, has decided to leave his company to him in something that makes sense. His giant multi, like, multi-billion dollar, Basically, like, like five company. minutes into this Harry Osborn nonsense, I leaned over to Mara in this theater and I said, <laughs> I can't believe I'm going to say this, but Smallville did this better. <laughs> yes. Smallville did this better. Spider-Man 3 may or may not have been a better movie than this no. movie. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was still a better movie, but, like, not in the ways that you think. It's right. like... It's like race to the bottom at some point. Like, yes. I can't say Distinction Spider- without a difference. I can't say Spider-Man movie is better than anything. I just have to say it was less terrible than yeah. this movie. Right. Well, so anyway, so like Harry comes back and Peter finds out about it and goes and like hears about this and comes to see him. One and they have this really interesting scene. I have to say, as much as I'm going to dump on Dane DeHaan and Harry after this, they have a beautiful scene. This, where yeah. Peter comes to see him. And he is kind of, like, awkward and is like, I heard about all this terrible shit. You know, like, Peter, for all that he's awkward, I think he has a sense of, like, loss and understands, yeah. like, terrible things can happen. And, like, it's the kind of person who, like, even if he doesn't know what to say in a terrible situation, he you. understands that, like, there's nothing you can say because yeah. he's been through a lot of horrible shit. Like, 
and and I think you get that in the scene and he's sort of like I heard about your dad I'm really sorry and like you know where have you been for the last 10 years yeah and like and they have this sort of weird where like I think Dana Han is at the top of a staircase yes. and Peter's at the bottom of a staircase so it has this weird sort of like and Dana Han is like movie. basically sent and he, he's very way. like and he's like and he has this very sort of like Dana Han is very flat restrained expression and, and then like Peter is very and like, Peter's sort of like awkward and whatever and then like Dana Han sort of face breaks and he smiles and then they end up and they go for the bro hug and it's yep. actually this ends up being like despite everything and like you've never seen this dude you have no yep. awareness of him and his relationship to this particular version of Peter Parker at all up until this point like and then they hug and they like you know hey missed you like that kind of thing and, and then they actually, go on a date and then they go on a weird date and they go and sit by the river and they talk and they skip stones and you're like interesting <laughs> what is uh, happening this only makes like the stuff afterward even well, weirder if you look at it from a romantic perspective yeah. And, and, like, and, like, here's the thing. It does actually manage, I will say, like, in the economy of the scene, manage to make you invested in their friendship in a very limited time period yes. in a way that, like, you know, the other version of Spider-Man where Harry and Peter are, like, just old friends through high yeah. school who've known each other for years. Like, it manages to, like, instantly be, like, you are kind of charmed by them. Yeah. And, like, and you're interested in, like, whatever the heck, like, Harry's deal is because he is sort of, like... He has something going on, and you don't necessarily know. And I think it's, I think it's. And he's also played by this like beautiful, tiny blonde Twinkie dude. So Twinkie, so thin. So My the only thing that I really enjoyed about this movie dude. is Dane DeHaan's ref story about how he like couldn't eat some stuff for a long time because he was like he was trying training. to get in a certain shape for this movie. Right. And so like afterward, he finally had a burger and he started crying in a restaurant. His wife was like. Are you crying? He's just okay, so delicious. So That's like the greatest thing that came out of this film. But right. I have to say, like, that scene where... So basically the setup is that they haven't seen each other and, and in And is very classic, like, got, sort of like ripped from the pages of Gossip Girl. Like, yes. poor little rich boy with, like, a shitty father figure. Yeah, exactly. Who has had all this privilege, but, like, no emotional... So like, long. No emotional sustenance for his entire fucking life. And, like, here's this kid who was his, like, his good friend when he was a little kid. And just, like, that tiny And he still remembers kindness is And he's still like, him. hey, I still like you. What's going on, man? I want to make sure you're okay. And, like, probably like, the first person who's giving, like, two fucks about him. Yeah. And, like, forever. And, like, in a genuine human way. <laughs> and the two of them play this in a lovely way, right? right? Because for all that I'm giving a lot of shit to this movie, a ton of talents of people got together and made a piece of garbage. <laughs> so, like, Andrew Garfield is wonderful at this, right? Like, if you've seen him in his other projects, like, Never Let Me Go, don't watch that unless you want to don't, cry for six don't, years. Don't. Um, Never Let Me Go, like, any of his, like, boy A, like, a, a ton of his work is just really, like, sort of emotionally fraught and lovely, and he plays this, like, crushing teenage vulnerability really well, and then Dane DeHaan, who I'd never seen in anything else before, yes. was really great in this scene. And I yeah. thought he was going to be great in this movie. Where, as Mara said, he's positioned at the top of the staircase very flat, like with a sort of distance and poise that he's probably trained himself to have. And then as Peter is walking away from him, having been dis summarily dismissed, he kind of breaks and is like, your hair still looks like that. Or, like, right. you got, like, you fixed your teeth or something like that. It's very, like, bro comment of, like, well, you still look like an idiot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then Peter just, like, you can see, like, his he's joy. So happy. <laughs> infuse his body and he turns around and he's like, look at your hair, you still do that. Do you, like, still have a manservant who comes at And he's like, and Dave DeHaan 
says the greatest line in the movie where he's like, well, I have a manservant who operates the blow dryer and I maneuver the comb. It's yeah. wonderful. It's right. like the it's moment of... so funny. It's such a great moment of emotional truth. And then the two of them hug and like, at that point, I would have 100% believed anything about that friendship. And then yeah. they go on this like great like mandate where they like are skipping stones. And they talk about, like, shitty things that happened to exactly. them. And, like, they bond over, like, awful life experiences. And it's very real, right? Yeah. Like, the pattern But in sort of an awkward sort of, like, teenage boy way where, like, it references it, but it's never gonna really... You can't like... talk about it. Like, you can only talk about it in bleaks. Right. And it's very true, and I loved that. Right. And then, the movie, like, what the fuck? So, like, Dame the Ham, like, after he's won all of this goodwill from me, because I'm weak to blonde twinks already, guys. <laughs> right. Like, I have a serious flaw in my system where if he looks like he's done a lot of cocaine and had a lot of sex that he did he, not enjoy, he basically has, into that. He has big doe eyes and yeah. he looks like he blew a lot of dudes yes. for his coke money. Yeah. Like, and, and Prue is like, I'm so all awesome. about that. Right. Like, shh, you'll be like a virgin with me. That's what we'll call it this time. It's fine. I'm into that. He should have rode that all the way to the rest right. of the movie. Well, no. and then here's the thing. And then I feel like because I think this is also like a, a function of the movie trying to cram too much and too many storylines into one film is that you feel like what I really would have loved to see is this narrative sort of be more of a slow burn. Yes. And like in Harry's ultimate transition into the, the, the Green Goblin like villain figure could have been way more effective if there had been, like, if you build it up slowly yeah. and you had more, like, nuance and you had time to, like, develop his relationship with Peter and, like, maybe even Gwen, like, yeah. whatever. Like, see all this stuff and see him sort of, like, struggling to deal with his dad dying yeah. and, like, and, and, like, and all this responsibility that's been heaped on him for something that he never, like, wanted and was disowned from, essentially. Like, like you could have, there's a lot of, like, terrible, like, there's Classic a fandom twinkie man pain, poor little rich boy thing that like everybody loves. This could have been like fandom fucking. Bait, he could have been not, Loki. He could. He could have been Sony's Loki. Right, and he is not Sony's Loki. Right, like there's so much there where you're like, this was almost like everything that fandom really would have loved. <laughs> and like for the first five minutes of this character's like like introduction in terms of his scenes with Peter, you're like, here it is. Yes. Absolutely. And I feel like, and I, I don't know, like, there, I'm sure there is probably some, like, Peter Harry stuff that, like, the engine is going to a certain extent from what I understand. There's there's a girl I follow on Tumblr who ships Harry um, Electro, and I'm like, what? <laughs> you know what? You do you. You do you. You do you. You know what? Nothing could make this movie worse. So you you make that evil oh, man five love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Like, sure, why not? Why that not? makes as much sense as anything else. So basically the problem with this movie comes in. Where, like, they try to make But they, they, Harry it goes Osborne. so rapidly. And where you you get, like, five minutes of establishing a connection with Peter, and then the rest of the movie it's him sort of slowly betraying that trust, and ultimately, like, hating Peter as much as Electro does, but for, for like, reasons that make no sense as much as Electro. Stupid, right? But so, there's, like, a whole, like, let's not even get into, like, the stupidity of the plot, plot. where, like, secret projects in Oscorp is under a folder and, like, called Harry Secret Projects. Spider-Man's Venom blood. blood. 
even though that literally is like me being like, well, I have a terminal illness. I'm going to go like... I need Prue's blood because she doesn't have this terminal illness. Right. And it's going to science. Me. Science. High five. So like, aside from this movie being like dumb as balls, dumb as those three balls that were dipped in your face as we referenced All right. And, like, and here's the thing. Like, I can forgive a lot of plot stupidity if like the oh emotional God. resonance of it and the character stuff like still like resonates with me. Like, that is, like, the whole fundamental point of, like, fucking comic movies is the plots are kind of stupid and the villains are kind of, like, cartoonish. But, like, you care about these people and their relationships and that is ultimately what drives the engine. Yes. Like, let's look at, like, Cap 2. Like, Hydra, I hate fucking Hydra as a bad. I think Hydra is stupid. Red Skull is dumb. Like, I, I don't actually resonate with Hydra as a villain and an overarching villain. They're a villain in S.H.I.E.L.D. and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. They're a villain in Cap. Like, I don't like them. But that is not why I watch those movies. Yeah. Like, I watch those movies because I care about, like, Steve Rogers and, like, the people that he loves and the people that love him and, like, him trying to do the right thing against, like, whatever fucking nameless evil you want to prop him <laughs> up against. Bucky. Right. And, like, I, I'm, like, I've basically become, like, a buggy wife, unfortunately, <laughs> even though I didn't even want to. This has happened to me. Ugh. I think everyone except for you saw that coming. Yes. No. Absolutely. Like, literally, like, you might have just sort of been, like, like neon sign, <laughs> Meredith park your car here <laughs> <laughs> to get in line for the astral plane marriages winter soldier yes like literally she just been like but you know what i mean like and that's the kind of thing but the problem is is that like this movie does not do a good job with keeping any of those emotional relationships like on any sort of like logical track like yes. peter and gwen are so unstable they're so whiplashy back and forth yeah. and not even the charm of andrew and emma can really like make you like feel for them as much as you should and, like, Harry and Peter's relationship, like, is initially really great, and then it basically dives so soon into him, like, becoming, like, the villain or ultimately wanting to, like, kill Spider-Man and then yes. ultimately Peter because Peter is Spider-Man because Peter won't give him Spider-Man's blood. Like, it goes so soon that, like, you don't have anything to hold on to in terms of, like, these emotional things to get you over some of, like, the, like, the necessary plot stupidities of a comic book. It just feels... Like, really, you can't suspend your disbelief. Yeah, it feels really inauthentic. And, yeah. like, I could go on for days about, like, the 15 minutes of stupidity that goes between, like, Harry and Peter being best friends <laughs> by the side of the river and, like, us finding out that Harry has the same degenerative disease that is killing Norman Osborn. But for some reason... It is, like, accelerated muchos and, like, is going to hit him the same week that his dad dies. Right. Instead of, like, like 30 years from now. Yeah, he's going to have, like, a pustule explode on his neck. It's a really bad thing. And that's, like, how he'll know that, like, oh, shit, I've got to go, like, I've got to go deep on this. So... And instead of, like, utilizing the, like, the resource of his major multinational science, like, pharma corporation that he, like... of course not. ...that he owns, he's going to be like, I need Spider-Man's blood. I'm going to... I need Spider-Man's blood. And, um, he also has a secret project that involves, like, a healing soldier suit. And I'm like, why don't you just climb into a soldier suit? Because that's not going to cure a terminal illness. No, it won't. No. It right. won't. But what he will do <laughs> is try to get Peter to send Spider-Man to him. And then once Spider-Man comes and says he's not going to give him his blood, there is a brief flicker of something that is almost a good moment where he's like, how much do you want? Right. Everyone just you. wants my money. And Spider-Man doesn't want his money. And then Spider-Man leaves. And this is the part at which, like, I turned on this movie. Like, I went from being, like, this is dumb to, like, I am actively hateful of this film. And I'm going to hate watch the rest of it from this chair with my arms crossed and my heart filled with black tar. 
where Spider-Man is clinging to the side of Harry Osborn's, like, fucking window because he, like, pieces out after denying him his blood, but right? But still sticks around to overhear. Still sticks around so he can, like, overhear it. And, um, Dane DeHaan, like, oh my god, I'm so sorry. I'm sure that you did not want to do this in ADR or on the day because that scene, that line is so clearly ADR'd. Where after he leaves, Dane DeHaan or Peter, Harry Osborn is, like, throwing shit around in Literally his flips the table. Like, almost flips the table and literally yells, Spider-Man, you're a fraud! And I just, like, I could, I could, like, feel my goodwill for this, like, the thread of goodwill snap. Like, my entire body went from, like, uh, to no! Well, no, and it On that one line. Yeah, and the movie basically tries to establish his stakes for things that are sort of very inconsistent, so, like, Peter doesn't know why he needs this. He's not aware that, like, Harry is dying of the same disease that killed his dad. And he hasn't listened to his father's video about how the entire program is fucked up yet. So he doesn't even realize that this is, like, a terrible experiment. That there's no, that he should never give him the spider blood because it'll fuck everything up. He hasn't learned this yet. So he's just being like, no, it might be dangerous. too logical and like in spider-man you're a fraud i don't know whatever spider-man you're a fraud i'm gonna start saying that <laughs> like when the mail is late i'll be like spider-man you're a fraud it seems like an equally reasonable response <laughs> to anything dumb going on in my life right this movie sucked i'm so angry well and, and, I, and here's the thing is that i feel like what, what is also like frustrating about it that like you and I have kind of touched on is that there are so many talented people who are in this movie. Yes. There are so many like weird like brief flickering moments of like genuine loveliness and like well done, well acted, like occasionally well written um, scenes between people that keep kind of like hooking you in and being like and like maybe it's one of those things and like where you sort of feel like the whole fandom paradigm of, like, fandom doesn't want something that's perfect. Fandom wants something that's, like, two steps to the left of perfect so that fandom can, like, fill in the blanks and do its sort of, like, thing. And, like, something that's, like, objectively good on every level doesn't really have any interest because there's nothing to do with it. Like, this is something that is, like, the other way around, where it's kind of, like, so terrible that I, it's hard for me to even imagine what fandom could do to make this better. I came up with a plot for this, but yeah, we'll get to it. I mean, and I think there, I think there is some like Peter Harry like stuff. Yeah, like yeah. I don't know. I mean, you could there's adorable some adorable Peter Gwynfic. You could roll that way. I mean, like, and also as we're talking about Harry, we have to discuss the Green Goblin, which just talking about it makes me depressed. Well, okay, so, and here's, this is also, this is so bad, and, like, if, if they literally, I really wish that they had, like, left the Green Goblin burn, like, you could have had it been, like, Harry slowly circling this drain, and then the yeah. end of the movie is him being, like, fuck everything, I'm gonna, like, do this, and then you're, like, dun, 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 yeah. Peter's, Peter's, like, friend, and, like, one of his only friends, because he has no relationships beyond Gwen and his aunt, as far as we know, and, like, random kids and people that he saves, like, he has nothing else in his life, um, like, and his editor that he emails. I don't know. Like, that's the Man, only... Man! <laughs> Captain America even made a friend. <laughs> yeah. 
right? And he Check was yourself. he was operating at a candy cap, though he was he is prettier. <laughs> like to be fair, <laughs> I'm just saying. Like if He's... Chris Evans was running around, you'd be like, "Hey, what's up?" Like he probably gets that a little more than like Peter Parker does walking down the street. But <laughs> anyway, fair. Yeah, no, but like, but like he doesn't really have like I would it would have been really interesting if like this movie had ended on a beat of like like Harry sort of slowly like you building that up and like and then him being like. Dun, 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 and like trying to save himself and ultimately damning himself in a way that he's not even aware of and like that could have been really cool if you kind of set up like for the next movie the green goblin villain yeah rather than like rhino which is like oh, awful you know what God. i mean like and that could have been like if you had like drawn it out more and actually had time to like a build up him and peter's relationship and have something like something like substantial for him to betray and some trust that you felt like was really built yeah. up and like that would have been awful for like this to happen but like because it just like goes along so quickly it's something like it's it's like it's like harry comes back harry and peter reconnect they talk about like their shitty like dads and their family life it's like bad fanfic yeah you know what i mean it's like you wanting really badly to get to the emotional climax of something but you not wanting to write that like probably 50 pages in the middle (laughs) hey guy we noticed That's why no one's reading your fic. That's why this movie is crap, and we have to hope for the right. overseas box to save it. it, it Which totally it will. will. It totally will. There's three is coming. So angry. But basically, no. So, like, they, they reconnect. Harry and his dad have the whole thing, like, whatever. And then suddenly he has, like, degenerative disease. He needs to fix it. He needs Peter to help him fix it. Peter is dubious. Peter does what he says he will. And as far as, like, Harry is concerned, Peter has not betrayed him as a friend. You yeah. know what I mean? Like... Spider-Man is a fraud, but, like, Peter has, has basically been, like, you wanted me to meet, me to introduce you to Spider-Man, I did that. Like, he has no reason to hate Peter at all. But, like, the movie's very confused about what, who knows what, when. Um, and then, and then he's basically, like, injected himself with Spider-Venom from the Secret Projects lab, and then turned into, like, his hair is all fallen out. His he looks, you took our fuck And up. I'm like, you had literally one job, Dane DeHaan. It was to be, like, pretty blonde, wafish <laughs> twink. And literally, two-thirds of the way this movie, they ruined it all. And they, like, had all your hair fall out, your teeth are all nasty, and you look like garbage. And, like... He doesn't look like an evil villain either. He genuinely looks like a 1980s, like, troll horror film. Yeah, from, like, Willow. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yes! This is, this oh is the level of, like, awfulness that you're talking about. Because he's not intimidating. He's no. not scary. And, like, if you are going to, like, go that route with that interpretation. He looks like Rumpelstiltskin for once upon a time. Only he doesn't have the gravitas no. of Robert Carlyle to actually, like, make that dude because occasionally he's frightening. Because he's dripping He's wet. a baby. And he's a baby, like, blonde Twinkie boy. And, like, you're just like, oh, sweetheart. And then he gets, like, a soldier. He comes into a soldier suit to heal him from this terrible, like, scientific experiment gone wrong. And then he's, like, going, like, And you're, like, how did this happen? This literally felt like 30 minutes has gone by. And, like, what the fuck just happened to me? And, like, how did you take, like, you could have kept, like, like, I don't know, sarcastic, like, angry, poor little rich boy, Harry osborne around for a long time and it could have been kind of great yeah and instead you immediately like fucked him up and made him into an unscary villain and then yeah 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 i just for i just all i have to say about his character in this movie is spider-man you're a fraud that's all that's all (laughs) that's like the summary thing that i took out of this movie 
was him throwing some tumblers off of a table, yelling, Spider-Man, you're a fraud. <laughs> At which point, I just, I, I felt something die inside of my chest. But, like, this movie is so simplistic. Like, if a cartoon had done this, oh my God. I would be like, I was gonna say, whatever. If this, if this was fine. animated, you've been like, yep, makes sense. This Seems is about the level legit. of narrative that I was expecting. But this movie, Saturday morning cartoon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but the problem is that this movie has the budget of a much a much more complex film, and you cannot get away with action movies of this genre anymore when you are opening three weeks after Cap, yeah. right? Like, you can't do that anymore. Like, yeah. because we have been introduced to a universe where even if the movies are not complex, brilliant socio-political commentary, they're, they're entertaining they're and they're smart. They're entertaining and they, like, they know what they have to do and they do it. Yeah, they're smart. And when they do fan service, they do it correctly. Right. So, I mean, this movie, I think, it, for me at least, really, really suffered because I literally seen Captain America 2 for, like, the second time. Well, no, I feel like we, walked out, of the, we walked out of the theater and literally across the way from our theater was the theater that was showing Cap, and I was like, oh, I wish we had seen that instead. <laughs> I would go watch that movie for the fifth time rather than watching this. Yeah. For one time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, it's it just, like, in comparison, this movie felt like, a Crayola depiction of what the original movie was. It, it feels like someone tried to tell you the yeah. story of this movie, but, like, mixed up a bunch of threads and, like, hastily and, and, went through plot points. And, and, like, was, and what's interesting is that, like, there's actually, there's a Grantland piece about this film that isn't really a review of the movie because they don't touch that with a ten-foot pole. <laughs> but it's clearly, like, a, a backstory piece where they interviewed Mark Webb and the entire creative team behind this film, and they were talking about, like, the sort of the extensive process in terms of rebooting the Spider-Man and the way in which they are approaching, like, redoing the series in terms of, like, sort of creating a Spider-Man, quote-unquote, like, brain trust, where they have, like, writers and directors and whatever all sort of, like, getting together to, like, come up with this and to carry this franchise and to, like, reboot it from, like, the Tobey Maguire version of it and to, like, do something with it that's interesting and creative. And, like, this movie, this entire article just sort of, like, does this without ever, like, actually manages to very cleverly write around the actual, like, success of the finished product, which, not so much. Um, but what's interesting about it is you read this and you're like, use your people that are literally genuinely, like, invested in this character, who are, yeah. like, not incompetent, who have done other things that have been successful, and, like, there's a whole bunch of you who have, like, a, a serious, like, investment in, like, making a good movie about this character, and, like, you clearly care a lot about it, you know a lot about it, like... There is no reason, and that's why, like, it sort of makes, like, the final end of this movie so kind of, like, baffling in a way, where you're like, how did this even happen? Yeah. Like, why, what, who, like, thought this was a good idea? Who wrote this? Who directed well, here's it? The why part... did nobody, like, be like, wait a minute, maybe we need to make Stop. this a little better, or, like, clarify this, well, here's or the... simplify this, or, like, edit ourselves? But here's know. the problem, right? Like, everything that I've seen is that this movie got mixed reviews. For the most part, the audience that they're trying to attract does not hate this movie the way that we do. And, right. I, and I'm sitting here wondering, like, what is going on? Like, did I totally misread? Like, is this going to be, like, my relationship to Pacific Rim versus fandom's relationship to Pacific Rim all over again? Like, I don't know. I just feel like people don't seem to hate this movie that much. And I feel like maybe... Well, think, like, fandom basically gave me an appreciation of Pacific Rim beyond my initial reaction to Pacific Rim. 
fandom will never ever be able to make me think that this movie was actually good and why, I was just smoking but I want you to explain why fandom gave you an appreciation of Pacific Rim beyond Pacific Rim because I know exactly what it was and it's it's not even like the random like hipster like science pairing like really no. what was it then no but like I think that it's but there's not even, like, what I'm saying, there's not even anything for Fanon to get his teeth in. Even if it was. Let's say that it was. Let's right. say, like, all of my, like, you know, Burn Gorman, Charlie Day shit, like, that entire, like, yeah. like argumentative science bro pairing, of which there's, like, a giant, like, not insubstantial chunk of decent fic about. Like, let's say that that was sort of, like, my avenue to being, like, you know what, this movie isn't really that bad. Like, there is literally nothing that fandom can do with this. Yeah. There the is closest no, you come is Electro Harry. Even even if, like, my reading of that movie was wrong and, like, my avenue into it was, like, through, like, shallow, like, this is my, like, slash ship, like, avenue into, like, appreciating this film on some other merits. Like, there is no part of me... You know what? Maybe I would read massive, massive AUs of Harry and Gwen and, and, and Peter. Maybe. Maybe. But, like, I literally could not be bothered right now. Like, I, I was sitting here because I because I knew we were recording this today, right? Yeah. And because, like, we got shit-faced at work three times this week. So, my new job is great. So, I've spent a lot of time this week trying to think of how I would fix this movie. Yeah. Like, how I would redo this plot. And I was sitting there thinking, like, a great way to redo this plot, right? If you really actually wanted to drive in the point. But you would have to be able to, A, recognize that Peter Parker does make the world a, a worse place. To make him a truly sad superhero, he makes the world a worse place. You would have to, like, admit that first, right? With the way that I'm going with this. Yeah. You could have it so that you have most of the plot of this movie go down. And then he breaks up with Gwen at the beginning to try and keep her safe. Right. But that in the final conflict, he goes through the whole thing, defeats everybody, finds out that Gwen is dead anyway. Because she's part of the thousands of people who are probably collateral damage. Right. Because of how stupid he is when he fights villains in New York. Right. That would be one way to really emphasize, like, the... the the tragedy of it. Or uh-huh. you could do like the Harry Osborne story where he, Peter finds out like they bond more, right? They mm-hmm. have a little more, you get rid of Electro in either version. Electro just does not work. I'm sorry, Jamie Foxx. You should have done more Annie. Um, right. Like you get rid of Electro. So your main villain in this is eventually going to be Harry Osborne. Right. But maybe the first movie can just be a tragedy setup, mm-hmm. And, um, you do it so that Peter and Harry really reconnect. Peter finds out that Harry is really sick. And then the two of them start trying to figure out the mystery of Peter's father. Which right. is a thing that we should talk about a little bit. Because we yes. agree that the opening of this movie oh, was great. So phenomenal. So great. Like, literally, like, we were sitting there. We'd heard bad things about this yes. film. Neither one of us was necessarily rolling into this with, like, really high expectations that were ultimately disappointed. That's not the position that, that we're coming from. <clears throat> And, like, that's, that's a bad position to come from when you, like, an audience expectation problem is the worst expectation problem. Yes. We had no expectation <laughs> that this was going to be good. And then the opening scene is Harry's dad, so or no, Peter's dad and Peter's mom, yeah. um, leaving him with his aunt and uncle, and then getting on a plane, which is ultimately, like, very tensely, like, they're trying to send this information, which is all this information that they're trying to protect, and you don't really know the significance of it, but you know it's important to both yeah. of them. And they're trying to send it before, like, they reach this point, and they're trying to get away and, um, and hopefully leave their son safe. 
um, because the life that they have just entered into, like, on the run is no place for a kid. Yeah. Um, and then the plane basically gets hijacked, and they all go down, and, like, they're trying to, like, send this information out. And this is very tense. It's very, good. like, the both, the two actors who play Peter's mom and dad do a very excellent job. job. They're very class, very solid character actors who've been around for a while. Yeah. Like... It's actually really sad and good. Yeah, and like, and it's a good action scene. It's like, it's emotionally compelling. It's action. The action is really compelling. Like, everything about it, and like, it's a very good, very dramatic, like, cold open to this yeah. scene where you're like, this is what they died for, and this is what Peter has no idea about. Exactly. He just thinks that, like, they left him. Yeah. Essentially. And like, you don't know the ultimate significance of what they were trying to achieve. Until... How, how they were trying to keep him safe. Which like, could have been an interesting theme of the thing of like, trying to protect the people that you yeah. love from the dangerous things that you're into and then and... ultimately failing. Yeah. And like, ways that you don't even know, even just by like, leaving them or like, trying to keep them safe, like you're doing them a disservice. Like, that could have been a really interesting theme that the movie yeah. plays on and ultimately tied into like, Gwen Stacy if you are still going to fridge her. Yeah. Like, that could be one way to do it, right? So yeah. basically in this version, right, <laughs> nope. where they find out Harry is sick and yeah. they decide that, like, from whatever they can glean from secret projects, that right. maybe the answer to whatever is wrong with Harry lies in the research that Peter's yeah. father and you can did. even fucking bring Gwen in it because she's better at this shit than yeah. either one of you. So the three of them could, right. like, Hardy Boys or, like, Nancy Drew this shit, right? Like, and to try and figure out the best way. Through the way. resources of Oscorp and, and like, their own, Peter's, like, whatever. like secret dumb plucky his father's like secret subway car of science figure out like some cure or like what they perceive is the cure for harry and they're so eager because they're all so 18 years old to save him that they give him the cure and it ends up turning him into green goblin at which point like Peter is responsible, Gwen is responsible, and Harry has a legitimate reason to be crazy and furious with them. Right. Which sets them up for, like, whatever... The ultimate final showdown. The ultimate final showdown, and maybe, like, Gwen lives this to fight another day. Like, then you have, like, actual emotional stakes, because every... And you don't have anyone being, like, a bad guy, right? Like, everyone's trying to do the right thing, and things go wrong. Which is, like, the ultimate goddamn point of Spider-Man as a fucking hero. And that would have been, like, great. I would have enjoyed the shit out of that movie, because it would have like really utilized all three of them and it it would have set up like a crazy sequel where like holy shit they've done this to like their best friend right they have to live with that but they also have to put him down if he actually hurts anybody like how awful would that be to know that you're responsible for that right but that also your only choice at this point is to like perpetuate this you have have two bad choices and you have to make one you have to make one of them and that's rough but, like, that is a really good conflict. It's a, that's good drama. That's, like, emotionally heartrending. And I feel like it's it's interesting because, at least for, like, Peter as a character, I feel like a lot of the things that the tragedy in his life has been sort of the unintended consequences yes. that he hasn't foreseen and that he wasn't able to do anything about. And this is the unintended consequence that he has to do something about. Yes. And, like, that would have been gut-wrenchingly awful. Yes. And, like, and maybe you could even try to, like, still save Harry at the end. I don't fucking know. You or maybe try. you kill him. Like, whatever the way that that, like, ends up playing out in whatever shit sad format. Like, and it would have been really compelling. I would have had, been like, there for the next movie as opposed to, like, I, I can't, I'm sorry. It's more like Peter versus Rhino and you're just like, God. I can't, I can't do this. I don't care <laughs> if you bring in Sinister Six. I don't care if you bring in the gentleman. I don't care if, like, you regress Dane DeHaan to, like, Twinkie Blonde Dane DeHaan toward the end of the movie because you realize that, like, that was unbearable. Like, right. I can't, 
I can't with you guys. You're so fun. You've gone someplace that I cannot follow, and I will not be watching the third movie of this series. Not that it matters, but, like, I just, I can't do it. I can't do it. Yeah, I don't know. And I feel like it, it, there could have been just so much potential. I feel like the entire storyline is also really interesting in terms of poising it at that weird place between, like, when you graduate high school and when you go to college, or even, like, if you were to kick that down the road four years, of like, when you graduate college and, like, you kind of have to start, like, attempting to take responsibility for your actions and figure out what you're going to do. And, like, Peter as a superhero is so interesting compared to, like, most of the ones in the canon because he's a teenager. And, like, yes. the, movie, the movie, like, Andrew Garfield's version of that is so great. It's so recognizably teenager. Yes. But, like, the drama around him just doesn't quite match up with that. And you could have done, like, a lot of stuff in terms of, like, Peter is, like, a teenage superhero. Yes. Like, in the ways in which, like, him being, like, vigilante justice with these, like, crazy powers could fall out. And, like, the way that that does fall out is him, like, doing a lot of dumb stuff and not realizing how it's going to play out. Yeah. Because he's 18. Or, like, he younger in right. and he many doesn't, of these Yeah, movies. and, like, he doesn't know better. Or, like, he doesn't think it through, or he just isn't quite, quite smart enough to realize, like, oh my god, A, then B, then whatever. Yeah, yeah, because the whole phrase, with great power comes with great responsibility, is just, like, still beyond him in terms of... Right, like, he's not yeah. there yet. And, like, and there's just so much that, like, this, this could have been that is really just frustrating in terms of what actually happened. Yeah, I mean, like, when they announced the reboot, and they said that it was Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone playing Gwen and Peter, I was so excited, because Andrew Garfield is, like, perfect casting this he will look 14 forever mm -hmm. he could sell himself as underaged in porn for literally 10 more years which is incredible right um and gwen stacy there's so many years in that ass. i know and oh there was a great jiggle too and that, <laughs> that was like the one thing i really enjoyed you could really tell he wasn't wearing anything under that suit and the pervert in me enjoyed that but um yeah yeah wipe up the drool but like um but, and, like, Emma Stone is so charismatic. They're so lovely. And the two of them have wonderful chemistry together. Right. So, like, how did you take these wonderful components? And Sally Field. Sally Field is, is great Aunt May. Martin Sheen. You had all of these, like, great characters. And then, like, somehow you managed to, like, make the worst thing ever. It is like I gave you a $600 like credit card to spend at like Dean and DeLuca's and you came back with like a ton of really good things like duck confit and like that great herby <laughs> French sausage and like those you're really beautiful a, like you're the biggest douche in the world for by the way like these wonderful analogy. like vermouths or whatever and then you like somehow like made you the, need to stop <laughs> the grossest meal out of it and, like, sometimes I would accidentally find just, like, a little piece of duck that had been unpolluted no. by this your other garbage. Metaphor. No one gets It's accurate. Metaphor. It's accurate. <laughs> yeah. Everyone we, should... We were oh. actually... We, were, we should probably maybe do a tally of, like, the number of awards won by the actors in this movie. <laughs> I don't want to. It's just going to make me sad. But, I mean, like, I don't... Do you have any wrap-up thoughts about this? Um... I don't know. I mean, here's the thing. Will I? Will they be making a Spider-Man 3? Yes. Yes, they will be making a Spider-Man 3. Will Sony be making Spider-Man movies and not give the rights back to Marvel, who might steer the ship better for the foreseeable future, and we should assume that ship has sailed, sadly? Yes. Yes. 
I don't know. Like, it's possible the next one might be better. This might just suffer from sort of some sort of, like, sophomore slump syndrome of, like, we don't really know how to, like, steer this franchise in a long-term way. Like, we rebooted it, and now we don't really know where to go with it. Maybe that's the case. Maybe the third one won't be that bad. Maybe fandom can, like, save, like, look for the diamonds in the rough and pick out the good parts and cast away the lots of bad parts and and do something with this. That's so much rhino scat to sort through, though. <laughs> Thank you for that. Um, I don't know, though. Like, I don't... Here's, here's the thing. and I and here's, you here's also here's you know what you know what's interesting and I feel like one of the like the common themes of our talking about this <laughs> has sort of been the implicit comparison between this movie and Cap Two because they came out in the same month and like Cap Two is clearly like blown up and eaten fandom in like yes. a major way right now um, and like <laughs> don't even get me started but um, <laughs> but I think one of the interesting things that people keep talking about in terms of what Captain America does really well is that it makes position Steve Rogers a character who has suffered some stuff, who has had legitimate like bad things happen to him, but still is managing to kind of like quote unquote soldiering on and like getting his shit done that he needs to do and like the genuine pain versus the man pain. Yes. And like in terms of like manufactured drama, which generally ends up in like ladies being like the fodder for this in like the traditional format and like all of the sort of, like, very heightened, very, like, my parents are dead, like, Batman-style version of, like, awful things happening to you to motivate you to go on and, like, fight crime in, like, a spandex suit. You know, and, like, the way in which, like, Captain America as a hero never feels, like, ungenuine in that way. Yeah. And, like, all of his problems and his struggles and him attempting to adjust and, like, you know, do what he needs to do and figure out what he's supposed to do and, like, reconnect to the world in which he finds himself, even though he has, like, lost a lot of people in his life who he's had any connection to um via like time and death and presumed death and like alzheimer's awful things and steve rogers sadness like whatever and like but he never feels like it never feels cliche it never feels schlocky and you still feel like a genuine feeling for this person yeah and like you're still rooting for him to ultimately like figure out what he has to do and to do it at whatever the cost it is to him like Peter Parker is a character. The stakes are so absurd, so manufactured, so strung together on the thinnest of shreds that, like, the barest amount of logic could snap. Like, fucking, I don't know, like, you, you know what this reminds you know me of? Because... And all of the pain that is manufactured to him in terms of his parents dying. Um, his parents dying is, like, a genuine emotional arc that the movie doesn't really fuck up, I will admit. Yeah. But, like, Gwen, Gwen being fringed, like, his uncle dying, all that other stuff. Harry. And like, Harry. And, like, this this friend of his and, like, everything just sort of feels like it's serving some sort of very, like, schlocky, old-school, like, 90s comic narrative of, like, what should be driving him as a person. This should be, and like, a movie made by Mel Gibson. Yeah. And it, and it's, it kind of, it just feels cheap and it doesn't feel like, in, like, in Peter Parker, and I will freely admit, Peter Parker is not my favorite superhero, this movie did nothing to sway my opinion that Peter Parker is not my favorite superhero. Do you know what this reminds me of? The thing that you... <laughs> and it's a shame, because, like, 
there's a lot of things you could do there, and they, they just don't capitalize on it. I know. But this is, like, a thing that you mentioned a while back, and I don't yeah. know if you coined this or if you read this somewhere, but it was so resonant with me, where you said the reason that Cap is such a strong and compelling superhero, right? Like, what makes him a superhero, whenever we cite his heroic qualities, it has nothing to do with his physical capabilities, right? Those right. are almost vehicles for, yes. like, what makes him a superhero. But you said yeah. that... The reason that Cap is a hero is you look at him and you see a man trapped between two bad decisions and he yes. makes the third decision that is so unbelievably horrible. At such a personal cost to himself. At such a huge cost, but is so correct and once he does it, the only possible way this could have gone, right. that you your heart breaks from him for right. him every time. And right. that is the sort of like fucking like to to use an overused term like that is a sort of like heroic sacrifice that makes Steve Rogers so compelling right, right. like he's just a man like despite everything he's just a man but he's a man who is willing to do that and I can only ever hope that if I was ever put into a position like that that I would have the courage right. to do something like that whereas Peter Parker like not only the stakes absurd they're low they're right. really dumb yeah. Like, I, there's and, never been, and, like, a village where thing. he comes up to where, like, I don't think that, like, I'm pretty sure, like, the NYPD could handle that. Or <laughs> the entire thing with, like, Electro and the electrical grid, that is so stupid. It's New York. Well, you know someone would have called Con Ed and be like, just shut down the power in this grid. Yeah, let's right. starve them out. Or, like, let's not even talk about the planes that didn't hit each no, other. No, fuck that. We can't <laughs> that even. That's a terrible plot. But, like, you know Con Ed, you know Con Ed, guys. Con Ed would be like, yeah, let's just shut down this grid. <laughs> we'll just wait it out. Fuck Queens. It's fine. They'll just, like, all their just fridge evacuate, shit Evacuate all the hospitals in the that's area. That's right. That's right. They're it's good. Okay. We got we got shit locked into place yeah. for Sandy. We'll just, yeah. we'll just wait them out. Yeah, no, we'll no. wait them out. But, no, I think you're right. Just, I feel like the stakes are low, but here's the thing. Like, that doesn't necessarily have to be, like, a death sentence in terms of doing, like, because Peter Parker's stakes are so low, they're so very teenage where they, they it's very teenage where it seems dramatic and it yeah. seems like the end of the world and it seems like the worst thing that's ever happened. But you as an adult... Or, like, if you are an adult looking at this, you can kind of look at it and be like, this isn't really that big a deal. And you're kind of, this is very, like, blown out of proportion. Yeah. This isn't really, like, as, as, like, awful or as, like, you know, heartrending or as amazing even as you think it is. You need to, like, calm down and look at this. Or, you know what I mean? But, like, you're, you're 17 you don't know any better. Your little, like, sister or brother who was like, oh, my God, and then that's happening. Like, and then Joey said that, like, blah, blah, blah. And, like, I was like, ugh. And, like, that sort of, like, that was, like, me watching this movie where it was, like, and then, like, Electra was like, I fucking hate you. You know, I love you, but I hate you now. And then, like, and then Peter was like, wow, well, I'm breaking up with you again. And then it was like, oh, my God. Harry was like, Superman's And then Harry was like, and he was like, my friend. And then, like, I said this, and now you fucking hate me. And now we're not talking to each other anymore. Like, oh, my God. Like, that was, like, the level of drama and stakes of this entire movie operating on it and as like a like as an, as like an ostensibly an adult you're just like no i don't i have no entry point into this narrative i yeah, don't I care about like anything but there's right a way, way to, do, to it. do it look at young avengers look yes. at the comic young avengers yes. young avengers is great oh my god like if you so many feelings i was gonna say, like avengers. i don't know if you read that one but like yeah. you should like young avengers is still great like that is an excellent random comic. Yeah. You should totally all pick it up if you are into reading, like, the Marvel shit. And like, then there's, like, the Miss Marvel comic, which is legitimately yes. about a 15-year-old girl. Yes, and, like, and you can have you can have drama, you can have stakes, you can have things that involve, like, people who are younger and, like, who have, like, a point of view and whatever. And you can use that to your advantage in terms of crafting this narrative and, like, use it, to, like, and, like, take what you have and, like, build that out. And, like, and this sort of just felt like, I don't even know. <laughs> And then, like, and then, like, Harry wrote a note, and then I saw it, and he said that he really hated me, 
and like you know, and then he was mad because he thought that like I said that his dad was whatever, and like I don't care, like you know, what I mean? like that is that is sort of like the level of which I was watching this, being like I I, I have nothing. Yeah. I have no entry into this. I don't care. I don't know how to, like, find any sort of... And, like, this is so whiplashy and so, like, more heightened in ways yeah. that I just don't understand and, like, ugh. Yeah. No, I know <laughs> what you mean. You know? Like, I, I would rather take, like, the, the Peter Parker, like, goes to, like, fucking, like, Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon. Oh, my God, I love that cartoon. the principal. Like, that's great. Like, you can do that. That's hilarious as shit. Like, you can go yeah. that road and make it just sort of, like, funny. And, like, Peter is a very funny superhero. Yeah. He's, like, he's quippier than almost, like, anyone in the entire fucking Marvel canon. He's, like, a he's like a dumb little shit. And, like, you could totally, like, lay down that and, like, it could be great and, like... You could take, like, sort of, like, the pain that he carries and have him, like, you know, and have that turn that into yeah. something that is, like, great and, like, still manages to find, like, humor and, like, do something with his life that he feels valued. He could be opposite and, like, Batman. He could be opposite Batman. A teenage opposite Batman. Look and, at like, what we could have had. Hugh, some Adele, <laughs> like, we could have had it all. Right, right. I mean, and that's not really what happens. Yeah, I mean, like, that's a really good point, because, like, I genuinely, I, like, watch the the young Iron Man cartoon. I haven't seen that one. It's on Netflix. It's okay. pretty funny. Um, I like it a lot. And then I also watch, like, Ultimate Spider-Man cartoons. Ultimate Spider-Man is so funny. It's hilarious. And, like, those are genuinely made for a much younger audience than I am. And I still find those really entertaining because they execute correctly. Right. Which is the fundamental problem with this, like, Spider-Man 2, you're a fraud. Like, this fucking movie. God damn it. I just, like, the best part of this movie was A, when it ended. B, when, like, when we left the theater and we were anger smoking in front of a Banana Republic on the Upper West Side and some dude didn't have enough money to buy a pack of cigarettes and tried to get a smoke off of us, yeah. and we were like, we just finished the last two cigarettes in the pack, and he was like, oh, so you're keeping all the cancer for yourself? And we're like, yes. yes. That was like, the... And then he laughed, and then we laughed. We, we were like, have a good night, bro. Sorry, bro. And, like, and it was one of those only in New York moments yeah. of, like, randos on the street bonding over yeah. like you know like that guy is like my buddy now i don't know his fucking name but if like, i ever saw him again i'd be like hey i got your cigarette now yeah that's right well, i would high five him and i would give him a smoke <laughs> but like so that was the best part of this movie yeah when i met like a crazy dude on the street he was not even really crazy he wasn't even crazy yeah, when i met a nice. random dude on the street who wanted to get a cigarette off of us that is the best part of this movie I mean, I have zero recommendations for this episode. My recommendations would be, go watch the original Spider-Man by Sam Raimi with Tobey Maguire. It's on Netflix. It's still really good. It doesn't hold I, up. I will say, like, it, it, it dates, but it doesn't... But it's still it's, good. It's, it dates, but that's about all, like, that's the worst thing you can necessarily yeah, say about it. Yeah, it's intriguing, and you can see how, like, this movie, that movie was a revelation at the time, and it paved the way for, like, so many other right. comic book movies, right? Like, that film's success. And when you look at the web-slinging as he goes through the city, don't think about it in the context of how great the CGI looks now. Think about how amazing that looked when it was in theaters, when right. it came out forever ago. Right. Um, the other thing that I would recommend is not watch this movie. What's, what's the one where, like, Gwen is, is Spider-Man? Isn't the ones are one where like or like with Lady Peter? Yes, there is there <laughs> is a like there Peter is pick. the only the only the Amazing Spider-Man pick that I've ever wrecked was the one where Peter was Penny 
So it's Penny Parker, and she has to wear two sports bras to lock that <laughs> shit down before she goes Spider-Manning. And you the bust s- your ladies, you'll recognize. You will totally recognize. <laughs> and the story is excellent extra, because on top of it being Penny Parker, she also has to sort of, like, navigate. She addresses the whole question of, like, letting Gwen be her own person, but also loving her. And she makes a much more intelligent choice Shocker. than this movie does. <laughs> Shocker. So... <laughs> That was good. That movie was good. We'll you know, it probably maybe like I would go on the internet and some like dedicated soul will have written some like quality Peter Harry like twink fucking, and I can only hope that someone on the internet has done that or like made a vid that is like vidded all like the good bits, which is like what five minutes, and then like thrown away. I would the just other I would just hope that like someone clipped <laughs> all the scenes of like. Harry Potter making out with Green Goblin from that movie they did together. Like, Kill Your Darlings. And, like, and where, where of, Jane DeHan also plays, like, a crazy fucker. Like, and basically, like, <laughs> knits it together so it looks like Andrew Garfield is, like, kissing whatever. And, like, that would be the only appropriate use of your free time if you, like, have that free time to do it. Like, you know what? Like, actually, like, in this all, this, I just got kind of, like, angry again that they didn't really <laughs> explore their friendship that well. Because it would have been really interesting. Because here's the thing that I feel like about Peter. I don't Peter, even ship them. No, but like, here's the thing that I think that is interesting about Peter in terms of, like, a modern context. Is that kid is, like, fucking, like, poor. His family is poor. He's from, like... Like, not a great neighborhood, like, not the richest neighborhood in Queens. He and lives like, in Coney Island, remember? It depends. I think he's from Queens. Well, I mean, all, like, in the context of, like, the movie and, like, yes. what train he rides. Well, the, the, well, train, he the train was asleep. wrong. He no, made the train was asleep. wrong. I okay. Like he's supposed to be in Queens. Okay. At least in the comic books, he's from Queens. I don't actually know what. Queens is the best. I don't know what's the amazing Spider-Man neighborhood he actually lives in. You could yeah. be right. He could live in Brooklyn. But um, I thought he lived in Queens. But like in the train line, like I'm not going to assume that like the train line that they rode is Makes actually sense. accurate to no. like wherever the fuck he would be. Because um, you're right, it would have been in Brooklyn or Manhattan. But anyway, him being like sort of like wrong side of tracks, poor, and then like Harry coming from this totally different world mm-hmm. of like growing up in affluent, but like like money rich and like love poor. Yeah. Like and them trying and being friends. That would have been like been great. really interesting. And there could have been a lot of interesting tension and like, you know, you have this and you don't appreciate it and like vice versa. And like it could have been interesting to see that play out. Yeah. Well also like let's not even get into the economic. Which like realities. which like the first one doesn't really touch on that much either and that's still an extent. You know? Well like, let's not let's not even get into the economic realities of the Spider Man movie, right? Because yeah. like from what I'm supposed to believe that like Uncle you know ben what? You know what also like, bothers me about like this? Have like a skilled this entire brain trust job. has no interest in like if you're gonna keep making Spider-Man movies forever and ever, Amen, and you're not gonna actually bring in like Miles Morales and then give me like my fucking half black, half Latino Spider-Man. They're like, no, we're not gonna do that. And I'm like, well, fuck you. you. Look what you're doing with the original. You fucked it up, and you can't even like bring in the new one, like or any of the other Spider-Mans. Like, bite me. <laughs> Andrew Garfield is trying, man. He is trying. He's trying so saying. hard. He's petitioning for Michael B. Jordan to be his love interest, which would be, like, the only reason I would go see Spider-Man 3. Fine. Like, I, I would go for that. But, like, it's just not, it's not gonna happen. Like, my recs for this movie are, A, not to watch it, B, to watch the original Spider-Man with Sam Raimi, yeah. and then three, to, like, watch the, all of the Emma Stone, Andrew Garfield press junket videos from promoting this movie. Right. That does not include her SNL appearance where she calls Mary Jane a skank. Which is like... That, and that's that was from the first movie. Okay, that was from the first movie. But you should watch her, like, <laughs> crushing it on Lip Sync Battle on Jimmy yes. Fallon because she's awesome. Yeah. And then you should just watch, like, Emma <laughs> and Andrew troll each other because despite the fact that they're actually dating, their favorite gimmick is to talk about, like, 
how much they hate each other on <laughs> press tour, which is so great. It's beautiful. Um, so basically, like, watch everything around this movie, but don't watch this movie. That's my rec. I don't know about you. Um, I would, yes, I would agree with that. I would also say maybe, like, Tumblr has probably, you know, gifted all the best bits and saved you from having to see this. Well, the funny part is that tum- if I was going to judge this movie based on Tumblr gifts, I would assume it was good. That's, that's the whole point of Tumblr gifts. So they take out <laughs> all the good bits, and you're like, ooh, this sounds really intriguing. I want to watch this. And you're like, foiled again. I did it again. I fell for it. And I you're like, God up. damn I it. <laughs> I thought the show was really great, and like literally there was like five seconds of awesomeness that were like... Are we know. talking about Turn? No. Or Jamie Bell Farms Cabbages? Tumblr's never convinced me that that was, that was good. <laughs> Tumblr doesn't give a shit about that. That mo- that show's not, like, actually even actively bad. It's just not actively good either. Good. Whatever. Good. <laughs> um, I think that wraps us up. You don't, do you have Chain any further thoughts? Chain is gonna be Gambit. Woo! Yeah! We're really excited, mostly because, like... Haters gonna hate. Haters, like, gonna haters hate. are gonna hate a lot, apparently. Haters, yeah. But I'm there's, like... Mm. There's a lot of upset people, and while I sympathize... <laughs> Come on, this could be hilarious. Well, he has to do a Cajun accent. Come on, guys. And, and throw cods and be Cajun. <laughs> oh and, like, God. I'm sure he'll be probably about as, like, on point as, like, the crazy German dude in Spider-Man 2. Oh, my God. It's going to be so bad, version on so good. And also, like, it's the new Spider... It's Sorry, it's the new X-Men franchise. It's already McAvoy and Fassbender. <laughs> what? Like, it doesn't matter. Just, like, just no. get drunk and go. Yeah, meanwhile, join us in a month or whenever <laughs> when X-Men Days of Future Past comes out and we will be here again. Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> Hoyden and I already have a shame date to talk about that movie because we're, like, emotionally prepared for, like, when that thing hits us like a brick full of feelings because we fell real bad for Eric and Charles the first time around. And it's gonna happen again. Cherick. Ch- uh, we did not use that term. <laughs> I'm just saying that's what the kids are calling them these days. Well, we're old. Cherik. And we Cherik. use a slash like the olds do when we had to <laughs> okay. walk two ways uh-huh. up a hill for our penis touching penises. For our wide wide, for our download. For our zines. <laughs> Avenger species love. Um, I think that wraps us up. We've gone pretty far afield. Um, thanks for tuning in. We will... Sorry. <laughs> sorry if you watched this movie, and sorry if you liked it. Um, I haven't met anyone who's liked it. Yeah, me neither, so I'm not really that this worried about it. not one of those things where I feel like I'm being like a cranky fuddy-duddy and fan and love something, but I'm like, well, it wasn't that great. I'm like, no one... Everyone has been, like, equivocal at best. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> like I think it wasn't terrible has been the nicest right. thing I've read about it yeah. but um that wraps us up we have to stop talking about this or else I'm just like I'm out of cake I'm literally out of booze <laughs> like we can't go on yeah so that does it for us thanks folks for sharing this terrible terrible fucking experience with us happy yeah. birthday Mare Um, if you miss Slash Report during the week, you can find us on Twitter at Slash Report or on Tumblr at Slash Report, even though we post nothing except for episode updates. Um, you can find me at Often Imprudent, or you can find MK at Moonclots. You can find Marilyn at uh, M-E-R-E underscore L-Y-N on Twitter, and just Marilyn, M-E-R-E L-Y-N, all one, and on Tumblr, which yep. is probably where I'm more active. And so you can get your weekly fix that way. Um, And on that note, thanks for hanging out with us. We will see you on the flip side. Bye. Bye!